With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coming up on the Hockey News pregame show, London police provide an update on the Hockey Canada sexual assault scandal. And another winter classic for the Blackhawks, this time Connor Bedard in a toque. And joining us from Philadelphia, we got our Flyer site editor, Siobhan Nolan. I'm Ryan Kennedy. I'm Michael Trakos, and this is the Hockey News pregame show, brought to you by BetMGM and NorthlandHockey.com. Hey, hockey fans, welcome to the Hockey News pregame show. I'm Michael Trakos. With me, as always, is Ryan Kennedy. And, Ryan, we got some serious news to dig into here. Yep. You know, finally, um, this Hockey Canada World Junior uh, Championship team uh, sexual assault um, case is uh, finally going to the courts. Um, on Monday, um, players Calfoot, Michael McLeod, Carter Hart, Dylan Dubay, Alex Formington um, were formally charged. Um, they weren't there, but lawyers for the five members of Hockey Canada's team were in court. And interesting um, bit of news coming out of this, Michael McLeod was also charged with a second count of sexual assault for being a party to the offense in relation to aiding someone else in committing an offense. Um, now, a lot of what happened yesterday was very brief. I think it was only 15 minutes of court time. Um, you know, there's going to be another hearing scheduled for April 30th. But you know, main takeaways for me, um, London police um, chief formally apologized to the victim. And in sort of a, a strange move, um, you know, he did a bit of finger pointing, not just at the London police, but also at the media, um, kind of blaming video games, magazine covers, music videos for the sexualization of uh, violence. Um, what, what did you take from uh, yesterday's hearing? Yeah, it was pretty bizarre. And I think uh, a lot of sort of, you know, covering his bases and, and probably trying to put, uh, I mean, he did apologize, but it's overall, this is all a pretty bad look for the London police that it took so long for them to get things together. And you know the fact that uh, an investigation kind of stopped and started, and they say it's been one investigation, but the officers that were involved initially in 2018 are no longer involved. So it's like, is it really the same, or is this just kind of you know making sure that you're not looking bad in this scenario now that it's blown up to this mm -hmm. uh, huge national interest story and scandal? The whole thing about you know media and video games is bizarre. I, I mean, this is something, video games in particular, people have been saying this for years now, but... Whenever there's like a school shooting or a mass shooting, yeah. it always gets linked to, okay, well, Grand Theft Auto as a video game is partially to blame, or yeah. you know, music videos relating to like hip-hop artists are somehow to blame. Yeah, and I can guarantee like there have been horrific criminals in the past 
before video games and hip-hop videos. So it just doesn't wash with me. That, that to me, is a weird scapegoat. Um, I, I think that the microscope is really going to be on the London police from here on out. Um, we're, it's going to be a roller coaster of a news cycle for sure because you have, you know, the most beloved sport in Canada uh, being sort of combed over and the, and the culture in hockey and, you know, what allegedly took place here. So, I mean, it's going to be messy. I think, you know, for the London police, uh, there's going to be continued controversy. And much like there was a reckoning at Hockey Canada at the executive level when this first came to light, I wouldn't be surprised if we see something similar with the London police and how they've handled it so far. That's a really good point because there is a lot of, there are a lot of questions. Like they, they took questions for a lot longer than the actual hearing took place. And yet, every question was met with, with uh, we can't get into that, or mm -hmm. we can't tell you these details. Um, but here's what we know, is like, in tw 2018, um, this victim came forward with, you know, sexual assault allegations. Ultimately, uh, they were dismissed mm -hmm. um, until this case was reopened. And what are we, we're in 2024 right now. Six years. Six long years. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think a reckoning uh, is probably going to take place. and. You know, I'm really looking forward to the April 30th hearing where we hopefully get a little bit more details on this case. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, with, with a high-profile case like this, everybody wants clarity. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I say, it's, it's going to be something that's uh, going to be talked about a lot uh, throughout Canada. I'm, I'm sure internationally it'll get picked up as well because obviously Canada and hockey are, are so closely related. But uh, this is going to be one of the biggest cases we've probably ever seen in this country. Now, obviously, uh, when we're talking about this, there is the presumption of innocence for all the players involved. Mm -hmm. And further to that, the NHL, um, well, we found out yesterday that uh, there is going to be cap relief for the team. So, you know, looking at this from a hockey perspective, if you are the Philadelphia Flyers and you're going to be without Carter Hart for an indefinite time now, this provides... Uh, an opportunity to go out and maybe get another goaltending in your mind? Yeah, I or mean, it is very interesting because yeah. you have teams here, you know, particularly, you know, the Flyers are a playoff team right now. Uh, you know, New Jersey losing uh, two players in McLeod and, and Cal Foot, although kind of one and a half because Cal Foot tends to be kind of a AHL, NHL tweener. Um, but, you know, I mean, New Jersey, and we're going to talk about them later in the show, obviously want to get back in the playoff race once they get healthier. Um, if you're the Flyers, you know, Samuel Erson's been playing well, but, mm -hmm. you know, depth, you know, it's crucial down the stretch because we've talked about that Metro division and how jam-packed it is and how many good teams are there. So if you can get the cap relief and, and you can get somebody that uh, at least can be, you know, uh, like a battery mate for Samuel Erson, I will say, too, it will be interesting to see what Philadelphia does before the deadline this year because they're ahead of schedule right now. Like, we didn't expect the Flyers to be this good. I mean, all credit to the players and to Coach John Tortorella. Um, but if GM Daniel Briere looks at the long-term picture of this franchise, with or without Carter Hart, mm -hmm. and says, okay, well, we can make the playoffs, but we're probably not a contender yet. Is it better to get future assets and continue to build you know, for next season and the season after that, maybe they don't 
grab a goalie. Maybe they just stand pat and say, you know what, we don't want to give up assets in the short term. We are a long-term success you know, story. Question for you. Um, knowing that you might not even want a player back, mm. would that change your mind on you know, maybe getting a goaltender with term? And you know, the goalies are out there that we keep hearing, Kapokakinen, Elvis Merzlikens, Jake Allen. Mm. Would one of those guys maybe not just suffice for the end of the season, but maybe even next year and uh, beyond? I mean, that's a great point because you know, something I was, I was thinking about is with all of the players that have been charged, mm-hmm. all of them are RFAs this summer, other than Fermentin, who was, he was unsigned you know, He's by the He's playing in uh, the Swiss League? Or? He was playing yeah. in the Swiss League, yeah. Um, so he was like non-roster list, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds of the CBA and things like that, but... I am kind of curious, like, do these players get qualified? I mean, they're, we're not going to have a resolution by the summer right. uh, unless somebody changes their plea. Right now, they've all pled not guilty. Um, but it, you know, if you're the GM, and from my understanding, the non-roster list, you can be on there for a long time. So do they just kind of punt uh, and say, okay, well, the, you know, this trial and these legal proceedings might take a couple of years, but... We don't want to give up these players' rights, or do they say, you know what, we're just going to wash our hands of it and let them become unrestricted after the draft in the summer? Yeah, for a lot of them, the fact that they're just even being charged is almost kind of tainting a reputation or whatever. Mm-hmm. I know we we have to let the legal process um, play out, play out, and everything, but you know the season still goes on. Uh, unfortunately, it's you know there is a business uh, at hand for this. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm kind of curious, obviously with. You know, a guy like McLeod and Foote, it's not as uh, dire when you lose both guys from the roster. Like you mentioned, Cal Foote is a bit of a seventh defenseman at that, and even a McLeod is a bottom six forward. But, you know, Carter Hart is probably the biggest profile name here in, mm. the, in the sense that, you know, the Flyers, you know, are a dramatically different team with him uh, in the lineup versus out. Yeah, I mean, a starting goaltender, right? Uh-huh. I mean, that's like a guy that you expect to play you know, probably about 60 games, uh, you know, maybe 55 if you're doing load management and Especially things like that. Especially with how he was playing. Exactly. So, um, obviously, a, a tough situation for, for the Flyers uh, in terms of hockey personnel, notwithstanding everything else that goes along with, you know, the, the legal proceedings, as you mentioned before. And we've got a bunch of little fun topics here. Uh, Thank in you. This I put segment. them together. I, I know. You did a great job. Let's start off with some breaking news. The next Winter Classic next year, Chicago, Wrigley Field, <laughs> the Hawks, and we're hearing the St. Louis Blues as the opponent. I don't know if that's been officially confirmed yet. But Connor Bedard getting his first outdoor game in what will be his second season. Chicago has played outdoors a lot. Yeah. I was kind of joking that I don't know what they'll do for a uniform because they've basically cycled through every historical jersey they've ever had. But it'll be fun to see what they come up with. But how do we feel about this? I think it makes sense. I, I get the argument that again with Chicago, but listen, like we were going through it. I think Toronto's had four outdoor games. Pittsburgh's basically in it every year. Washington, Boston, Boston. Like, what do these teams have in common? They're big hockey markets. Like, yeah. they their fans stretch on or stretch out beyond the city limits mm. so you know of course Connor Bedard deserves an outdoor game he's going to be one of the most exciting young players and then you factor in like who else maybe is going to be on that roster 
isn't going to be a Macklin Celebrini there, too. Right. So um, St. Louis makes sense as a natural rival. Um, I've seen uh, – I, I was in St. Louis for when they uh, were in the cup final in 2019, got to see the Cubs and the Cards play. What a great rivalry that was. So right. this is I, – I think this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I, I can't knock it because, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very good point, you know, especially for – American TV ratings, Chicago, original six franchise, big media market, uh, you know, big TV market. It just makes sense. Uh, you know, even casual fans of uh, sports know Chicago mm-hmm. uh, as an NHL team. Would you have rather have seen, though, Bedard versus Crosby? Oh, like a Pittsburgh Chicago would have been. I think just outstanding. That w- that would be pretty fun too. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say like. It makes sense for St. Louis because it's like, as you said, natural rivalry. Also, same time zone, which I don't know. It's a minor thing because it's like it's only an hour. Um, And you do want to sort of spread the love around a little bit because, as you mentioned, Pittsburgh has had a ton. I know St. Louis has gone outdoors at least once before because they played Minnesota. Mm. Um, Columbus would have been another nice one just because you got Fantilli there. Ooh, yes. Fantilli Bedard. Um, I know Columbus is having... A tough go this year, but yeah. I imagine with all the young guys they have, next year is going to be a little better. Yeah, I guess if I was going to be cynical, you know, TV exec, I would be like Columbus. <laughs> like people might not even know it's Ohio; they might think it's like the Georgia one. Ooh. Yeah, uh, I would not say that, <laughs> but cynical TV execs would. Um, let's move on. Jack Hughes, another big superstar mm-hmm. in the young man variety. Uh, set to return this week. New Jersey's in a tough spot in the Metro. Yeah. And injuries have played a big part of it. Do they need a trade, or do you see what they can do with Hughes back in the lineup? Okay, I think they can get in the playoffs with Hughes back in the lineup and just where they are in the standings. Like, they're kind of huddled with, like, four or five different mm-hmm. teams. And I think Jersey, we talked about this weeks before, I think they are a playoff team. However, I would go all in because... Are they good enough to get past, you know, the Rangers or the Hurricanes mm-hmm. or whoever else comes out of that Metro? And the answer probably is, as it's constructed, no. Mm. Uh, I was surprised that Jersey was able to get past the Rangers last year. Yeah. Um, the way that the Devils have been going is obviously health is an issue. I would beef up um, and get either, you know, some help on defense so that a guy like Nemich isn't playing. I think he was playing like over 20 minutes the other night. Yeah, um, that's too much for how young he is. And same with like a guy like Luke Hughes. I think we're all kind of enticed by like, oh wow, those two young guys on defense is going to be great. I don't think it's great right now. Right. <laughs> I think <he laughs> they're not supposed to be playing yeah. that much right now. And if Dougie Hamilton hadn't got hurt, we probably wouldn't have even seen Simone Nemec this Good year. Point. Like that was not the plan. It just so happens that he stepped up and played very well for them. Uh, it's a very interesting point because. You know, when I look at the Devils, they do have a lot of good young players, Hughes mm-hmm. and Nemich being uh, f- at the forefront there. Alex Holtz has been uh, putting up some points, so it feels like he's finally sort of like got traction as an NHLer. So I do feel like this is the team that they could give up some draft picks yeah. and be okay. So if they wanted that final piece of the puzzle to at least, you know, be competitive this year, try to go to the next level, because they did, as we mentioned, win one round last year. I could see that. So, yeah, I'm feeling that. Uh, Are they a playoff team, though, for you? They're a playoff team for me, yeah. Yeah. With Jack Hughes back in the line, when they're healthy, they should be a playoff team. I would love to see a little of an uptick in net, 
but that might have to wait for the summer. Yeah. Uh, but I think they're a playoff team for sure. One team that has definitely put themselves in the playoff picture is the Edmonton Oilers, who tonight, big test. Vegas yeah. could end the streak, but we're not going to get into that. Instead, Vancouver coach Rick Tockett, who was part of the Pittsburgh Penguins, <laughs> when they set the record for consecutive wins, he hopes the Oilers don't break the streak. Uh, you think he might be bitter because he doesn't <laughs> want them catching the Canucks. If I'm the Canucks and I'm looking in the rearview mirror, the Edmonton Oilers are closer than they appear. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> like, they are... You know, I, I think Vancouver's in danger of losing that number one seed um, mm. to Edmonton or maybe even to Vegas. Right. Um, you know, it, nothing's a given. Obviously, you know, Vancouver getting Lindholm changes a lot. Yeah. I, I think they are, they're the best team. Well, I don't even want to say that. I was going to say they're the best team in the Pacific, but I still think Vegas is, a, is ahead of them. I don't know how you're feeling, but, you know, the Edmonton Oilers are obviously the hottest team in the NHL. Um, Tockett doesn't want to lose the record. Obviously, he was part of that Penguins team, but yeah, I think more so, he's afraid that, you know, if the way that Edmonton Oilers are going, very soon Vancouver's going to get chased. Yeah, I think, I think the, the legit fear here is that, and you've mentioned this before, if you're the number one seed, that means you're, you don't have to play two versus three in that first round. So. Vegas versus Edmonton, you are basically having a Stanley Cup contender eliminated in the first round. And we've seen this in other divisions yeah. in the past, uh, particularly in the Atlantic. Uh, but if I'm Vancouver, I certainly want first because it means I avoid Vegas and Edmonton in the first round. And then after that, hey, you know, all bets are off because, you know, when it's only eight teams left, it's all good teams. Anything can happen. Injuries, war of attrition, all that stuff. Would you would you say the number one seed is more important in the West than the East, just because of who the wildcard team might be? Also, yeah, I would say so because if you're looking at the wild card in the East, it could be Tampa Bay, could even be Toronto, could be Toronto, it could be Pittsburgh and Sidney Crosby. Yeah. Whereas it could be the Devils. <laughs> yeah, it could be the Devils. Whereas in the West, it feels like the teams. Like, it could be Nashville, and it's like nothing against Nashville, but I feel like that's a team that hasn't made a run in quite a while and maybe doesn't have the horses to do so. Um, so you're getting teams that might be a little more flawed overall in the West, so right. I would definitely agree on that. Uh, I'm going to finish up this segment still with uh, the Metro Division. Alex Ovechkin, nine goals in the first half. Isn't that outstanding? Like, nine goals for Ovechkin. wild. Does he score 30 this year? The way, well, now that he's only got nine, I don't think he does. <laughs> it's tough. And, you know, I was talking to some Washington reporters at the All-Star game, and they were saying, like, at this point in his career, he can't, ju like, he can't use his frame the way he used to. Uh, maybe in the offseason he needs to think about how much uh, bulk he's carrying. Does he need to be a little more lean um, just to get more out of that frame? And, you know, he's not generating the same power he used to, and it's showing up, obviously, in uh, his goal-scoring acumen. So yeah, people forget how big Ovechkin is. Like, yeah. I was looking at his stats. I think he, at a playing weight, I think he's bigger than Eric Lindros was when he was playing. Which is pretty wild because yeah. Eric Lindros was obviously It's, it's something like 6'3", 240 or something. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm with you. Um, you know, Ovechkin, you know, when he is at his best, he uses that size to mm -hmm. the fullest. Like, you know, 
in that Stanley Cup final where they went over Vegas, he, he was literally just running guys over. Yeah. But I'm with you. If he's going to score 30 goals, he's got to be more of a finesse guy. Fair enough. And uh, just to finish off on that point, if Ovechkin is regressing like, regressing like this, you're wondering about Sidney Crosby and the Olympics in 2026. Yeah, we all think it's a slam dunk, but, you know, where was Ovechkin last year? He was in the hunt for the Rocket Richard. Where is he this year? Off no, a cliff. Off a cliff. Like, he wouldn't have made the All-Star team the way he was playing this year. Yeah. So Crosby right now, I think he was, like, 20, top 25 in scoring, and we're thinking, oh, this guy can play until he's 50 the way he's doing it. Yeah. But who knows? Like, it doesn't take much. Like, you look at Patrick Kane, like, again, uh, a guy that we thought, hey, he's going to make a huge impact. Mm. All of a sudden, you, you get older uh, real quick in this league. Very true. I will say this for Crosby, though. He's always been an outstanding two-way player, so he could be a fourth liner on Team Canada and still have a lot of value, even just as a penalty killer, a shutdown guy, face-off specialist. And he's a physical specimen. And he's a physical specimen. We're going live to Philadelphia, where we've got Flyers site editor and reporter Siobhan Nolan. How are you doing today, Siobhan? I'm good. How are you guys? We're doing all right. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Philadelphia Flyers have been a surprise team I would say, of the entire first half. And, you know, going into the second half, uh, we'll see if that holds. But, you know, they've lost five in a row. Um, they're holding on to that third place in the Metro. What is your feeling as we go into the second half of the season, uh, Siobhan, as to whether the Flyers are still going to be a, you know, playoff threat? They've definitely had a very chaotic January alone. Um, and I think you could definitely see the mental exhaustion was there with Owen Tippett's lower body injury, which thankfully he looks to be coming back from soon, if not tonight against Florida. Obviously, the Carter Hart stuff with him taking the indefinite leave and all of the Hockey Canada stuff going on, you know, he's he's been a part of the team for such a long time that you have to imagine that that's really affected the locker room and probably has just sent everyone into a tailspin. But I think the break was much needed. And I think from the looks of it, they're coming back from it with a really positive outlook. They still really want that playoff spot and they're still very determined to get it. The team chemistry is still there and that's very important. So they haven't put themselves in a great position with the five game losing streak, but I, I definitely still think that they're one to look out for in the second half. Yeah. And Siobhan, when we look at this Flyers squad, um, you know, trade deadline is, is coming up and it feels like there's a, there's a definite plan here that even if they're playing really well, they still might end up being sellers. Sean Walker is a name that has come up as, as a player that a lot of other teams would love to have in their lineup. What are you hearing about you know, potential plans in Philly? Uh, you know, the Flyers front office likes to keep it very close to the vest. Um, we, we don't get a lot of specifics out of them, but uh, from what I've heard with Danny Briere, what he's told uh, the media, they have a very specific plan in mind for what they want the team to look like, what they want the team culture to be like. And from what I've gathered, that's very focused on the future and investing in the young players. They have a great young core with Cam York and Joel Farabee and now Jamie Drysdale. 
and a bunch of those players. So it's definitely looking like if they do end up selling by the trade deadline, which I think that they will, you'll probably be seeing more of the older, more experienced guys be on the way out, even if they haven't been there for that long, like Sean Walker, because they, they're very focused on the future and investing in what uh, Breer called sustained success. They want to build a team that's going to stay together for the long haul and really just be able to bring multiple playoff runs and multiple hopefully fingers crossed stanley cup wins to philadelphia so that seems to be where the focus is for them one of those young players obviously jamie drysdale uh, comes over from anaheim in the cutter gochier trade um what have you made of his impact so far and uh you know is he the kind of real deal when we're talking about a flyer's core I, I definitely think he is the real deal. Um, it's helped that he already was friends with some of the young guys um, on the Flyers, particularly Cam York. They're very, very close. So I think that helped him a lot. He's adjusting really well, considering the fact that the Flyers play a completely different defensive style than the Ducks do. And he was thrown right onto the power play and the you know first defensive pairing line. So... Just considering how much of a whirlwind it's been for him, he said himself in his introductory press conference that it felt like his head was in a blender. So to be 21 years old and to just adjust as well as he has in such a short amount of time, I see him being the real deal. I see him only making more of an impact as time goes on. Um, I'd love to see more of him and Cam York playing together, which Tortorella alluded to we could possibly be seeing, which is exciting. So I'm... I'm really excited to see where where Drysdale goes in the future because I think he has a really bright future in Philly. Nice. And speaking of bright futures, uh, Owen Tippett signed a long-term extension uh, recently. This is a very fascinating player for me because, um, you know, obviously he was a, a Toronto product and, you know, played in the OHL around here. And he, all, he always had those incredible physical tools, always a great goal scorer, great skater, but there was parts of his game he obviously needed to round out before he could be a legit NHLer. And it feels like he's found his place in Philly. And I'm also curious, you know, uh, just how John Tortorella views him because, you know, defense was never a tip at strong suit, but obviously he's played well enough uh to get the uh, the torts seal of approval is that fair to say i i definitely think it is and you know owen tippett said philadelphia is home for him now it's where him and his family feel very comfortable it's just where he really feels like he belongs which is great to see just off the ice that he feels like he's integrated well into the city but john Tortorella is very insistent on having players focus on the weaknesses of their games for lack of a better word you know with jamie drysdale for example obviously the kid plays great defense but towards was like we know he can defend i want him to be a a better on offense i want him to be like a rover on the ice so he's very focused on improving where players aren't as strong and just making them as well-rounded as possible and owen tippett has responded extremely well to that and very deserving of that, that eight-year, I think, $49 million contract it was. So he's definitely responded well to being pushed by torts. And I think that his game is rounding out very nicely. And again, he's another player that I'm very excited to see have such a sustained future in Philly. Yeah, and not many guys that size can move 
as yeah. well as Owen Tippett, like yeah. just a speedster. Um, let's talk about Carter Hart. Obviously, um, we're going to let things play out in the courts, but it looks like he's not going to be available to the Flyers for the rest of the season. And if that is the case, you know, what does this loss mean? Because you know, Carter Hart was very much seen as you know, even a potential Team Canada goalie. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's a number one goalie in Philadelphia, and you know, a lot of that success in the first half is could be attributed to how he played in net. So, you know, what does the Flyers' goaltending situation look like if Carter Hart's not going to be in net? It's a significant loss. Carter Hart has been billed as the franchise goalie since he first signed his professional contract, and he was very much billed as this, you know, great community guy. He had that really wholesome um, relationship with, one a young fan from Everett and that's why he wears number 79 so he he had all of the makings to be the face of the franchise and that's what they wanted him to be he was a great locker room guy you know all the guys on the team loved respected him and were very close he's been on the team for a very long time i mean he's one, he was one of the longest serving players so it's a huge loss in the locker room and on the ice because i think sam erson's been incredible this season and i think for a rookie young goalie he has stepped up immensely and i want to give him his flowers for that but to not have carter hart's experience and guidance kind of helping him out because they did help each other out a lot when they were kind of alternating every couple of games so it it is a big loss and i think that they will figure it out i am not worried about how they'll respond to it but it's definitely a very sudden, very significant loss for them because Carter Hart was a name that we were talking about every single week when the Flyers played. So it's going to be difficult and it's going to take a minute to adjust, but I, I think that they'll be able to, to figure things out. All right. Listen, it's going to be an interesting month ahead for the Flyers as mm-hmm. we inch closer to this trade deadline. You're going to follow uh, Siobhan Nolan's uh, coverage in the hockeynews.com, uh, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers team site. Thanks again, Siobhan, for joining us. And after the break, uh, we've got more of the Hockey News pregame show. Stick with us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Hockey News pregame show. And Mike, we're going to keep going on that trade deadline theme. And there's still some time, but teams are going to have to make some decisions. So... Buy, sell, stand pat. That is the name of the game here. We're going to go over some teams that have some decisions to make, and we will start off with the Pittsburgh Penguins. If you were GM Kyle Dubas, would you buy, would you sell, or would you stand pat before the deadline? Uh, I'm going to stand pat, and I know that there's been a lot of talk about Jake Gensel. Um, He was at one time linked to the Vancouver Canucks. Mm -hmm. I think getting Elias Lindholm probably changes that... uh, that strategy. Um, I don't think they're going to be selling. I think Pittsburgh still intends to make the playoffs. I just don't think they can, you know, sell the farm to get there. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, if you have to lose Gensel in the offseason as a free agent, I think having a own rental, as they call them, mm-hmm. is still worthwhile. 
Interesting. I'm going to go contrary to what I've been saying for years now. I'm going to say they should buy. What? Because <laughs> at this point, it's like if you're still under the illusion that you are a contender, which Pittsburgh apparently thinks they are. Yeah. Why you might as well go for it, right? Like, I am loath to see them give up more picks and prospects because that's all we've seen in the past decade. But at this point, like, you know, you got Eric Carlson. You're kind of in the mix. You're not quite there. If you're not going to sell Jake Gensel, or if you don't think you're going to get a good enough price for him, then it's like whatever. You, you might fail, but then at least you really have to look at yourself in the summer and say. Okay, for real, we are not a playoff team anymore. Yeah. We have to strip things down even further than we have. Uh, so this is sort of my way of saying it's like, I don't think it's the right thing to do, but they've already gone so far down this road that they might as well. So. Well, Kyle Dubas's reputation is a guy who doesn't like rental players. He mm. likes guys with term on contract. Uh-huh. So I could see them, you know, further to what you said, like buying, but buying a guy where you've got him for multiple years. Right, and hopefully it's a younger guy, because yeah. that's what they need. All right, a team in a very similar spot, the Washington Capitals. We already talked about Ovi uh, earlier in the podcast, or on the pregame show. Buy, sell, or stand pat if you're Washington. This is a big sell in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're already now without Evgeny uh, Kuznetsov, who's on a personal leave. Mm-hmm. You've got Anthony Mantha, Max Pacioretty, Nicholas Obel-Kubel, Obey-Kubel. <laughs> Don't ask me to pronounce that one again. <laughs> and Joel Edmondson, all pending UFAs. Um, there's going to be a lot of market there for these guys. Uh, I think Mantha's a perfect power forward. Pacioretty, when healthy, when has that been? Yeah. Um, he is still a, a very serviceable player. And Joel Edmondson, I think, is a perfect guy for the playoff run. Yeah, I would agree with you on Edmondson in particular. I think they should sell. And it's funny because if you look at Washington and Pittsburgh and the standings, they're basically the same team right now, but it feels different. Oh, yeah. You know? It doesn't feel like Washington uh, really has the juice uh, to, to make it all the way to the finish line. And I think that, you know, this is a Caps team that when they have picks, they draft well. So I'd like to see uh, Ross Mahoney and his scouting crew have more picks uh, this summer, and and Edmondson would get you a pick or two. Even Obey Kubel, if he's just kind of a 13th forward or even a fourth liner for a contender, I think there might be a little bit of value there. Not a first-rounder, of course. He, he was uh, sort of an important piece to Colorado's uh, championship uh, a couple years ago. There so. you go. So even if you could get like a third-rounder for Obey Kubel, uh, you know, it's an extra pick, and maybe you do something good with it. Yeah. Uh, sticking in the Eastern Conference, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Buy, sell, stand pat. This is a team that it, there's no guarantees right now that mm-hmm. they are going to make the... Well, they're a wild card team, but what do you think? Buy, sell, stand pat. I'm going to say buy. Um, you know, the way that Toronto Maple Leafs are constructed right now, I think they are, you know, prime for a first round exit. Mm. Um, that could change if you get a defenseman. So, you know, they've been linked to Chris Tanev. They've been linked to Noah Hannafin. Yep. Uh, linked to basically anyone who can... F- be an upgrade over what they have on their bottom six there on defense. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say bye because, you know, when you've got Matthews, Nylander, Marner, and Tavares, you've got the makings of some really dynamic offensive players who can be game changers in the playoff. But you don't have the defense. You don't have the goaltending to get mm-hmm. you there. So, you know, trade deadline, that's, that's where you can really shore things up. Right. I, I feel like saying stand pat, 
but I do think a slight buy makes the most sense. The only reason I would say Stan Pat is, you know, a couple of the guys that they got in the summer, uh, I feel will be more effective in the playoffs, like a Max Domi, who has been very good in the postseason recently for other teams. And even, dare I say it, Ryan Reeves, even if he's only playing a few minutes a night, think about if Toronto draws Florida in the first round. Right. You're going to want Ryan Reeves either as the policeman or just to sow chaos himself <laughs> and keep the Panthers on their toes because we know that that's a very physical team over there in Florida and Toronto's going to have to punch back. Maybe punching first is the way to do it. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, sticking in that Atlantic division, the Buffalo Sabres. Buy, sell, stand pat. Uh, I'm going to go sell. Um, the way they're looking right now, they're not completely out of it by points. Mm. There's just so many teams to leapfrog. Yeah. And again, they've got a lot of guys who are coming up on their contract. Uh, you know, Casey Middlestat, um, there's been a lot written about him by our team site. Um, he's coming up on RFA status. I think based on the season he's having, it's almost like a sell high oh, for okay. him. Um, another guy, their captain, Caloposo, is a UFA. Zemgus Gergensen is a UFA. Victor Olofsson, mm. uh, good power play option, is also a, a UFA. So, you know, the way that Buffalo is going, you know, <laughs> just get more picks and prospects mm. if you can because this team is not a playoff team as constructed. Yeah, I'm going to say sort of slight sell because uh, I think Olofsson, he doesn't really have a spot on the Sabres anymore with so many good young forwards coming up. Like, he's kind of expendable, and I feel like they knew that coming into the season. Sure. Um, I, this summer, they got to get another goaltender. Or they have to figure out something. I, no, no, you know what? They just need another goaltender. Do you think so? Like, uh, Uko Pekalua? Uko <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's looking like an actual good goaltender this year. And then you throw Devin Levi, who I know he's been not Devin Levi this mm -hmm. year, but... You know, another year, don't you think that could be a tandem? I would love to see them get a short-term solution, a veteran solution to go with UPL so that Devin Levi can play more games mm. in the AHL next year, keep getting reps because that's what you should do with young goaltenders. Uh, the whole season started off rough for Buffalo because they didn't have a solid veteran goaltender that could spell off Devin Levi and UPL. So that's my thought there. All right. All right. Seattle. This will be the last one. The Kraken. Buy, sell, stand pat. I'm going to say stand pat. I, I think the Seattle, where they are right now, they're still in the playoff mix. Um, I don't think they need to buy players to get into the playoffs. Mm. And then when you look at what they could sell, like a Jordan Eberle, maybe an Alex Wenberg, maybe a Thomas Tatar, I don't know how much you're going to get for these guys anyway. Mm. I think leave them as is. Uh, maybe you'll surprise some teams like you did last year when they beat Colorado. Mm. I'm going to say sell because I don't think they're going to surprise a team again this <laughs> year. They're going to see them coming. And if you can get some assets, keep in mind, as well and as often as the Kraken have drafted, they've only drafted three times in their existence. So they still need critical mass there. I'd like to see them sell a couple of forwards and bring up a guy like Shane Wright in the mm. second half. Um, or just even after the deadline, for that matter, just to see what he can do, because he's been great at Coachella Valley. I mean, the Firebirds have a couple of good young players that they could bring up and get reps. I don't think Seattle is a threat, and it would be nice to make the playoffs, but I feel that that's not necessarily the main focus. Uh, so we'll stop there, and we will have more questions. It is rapid-fire time. Our favorite time of the episode. Producer Connor, let's hit us up with some questions here. 
We don't got questions. Uh oh. This is was he an NHLer? We got a quiz. We're bringing it back. All right. Let's do it. This one, the grammar's weird this weekend, so I've made it music themed. Ooh. These are either an artist or an NHLer. All right. And I made it even easier because both of these players, uh, and I'll, I'll let you in on it. Okay. They've played over 500 games. Okay. That's substantial. Yes. Nice. All right. All right. First name, Paul David Hewson. Hewson? Yes. Paul David Hewson. I'm going to go musician on that one. I don't have any rhyme or reason for it. I just uh, I feel like 500 games is a lot. I'm going to go, yeah, not an NHLer. You're going to go musician. Yeah. 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 You are both correct. That is Bono, oh, the lead okay. singer of U2. <laughs> wow. That is his name. There you go. Oh, so, something today. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Uh, currently performing at the Sphere, where the NHL draft is supposedly going to be. That's right. Next one, Wayne Cashman. Oh, that's a hockey player. That is definitely for sure. A Boston player. Bruins. Yeah. yeah. You are correct. Thousand games, two hundred seventy-seven goals, five hundred sixteen assists. 793 points. Uh, he had a career plus minus of 278. Dang. Which is insane. He played for Don Cherry. He did. Yeah. There you go. Uh, and I believe. Also a musician. <laughs> Anytime John, Don Cherry is trending on Twitter, half the time it's about the saxophone player from like however many years ago. Huh. Just throwing that out there. All right. I thought you meant a musician <laughs> from his like Rock'em Sock'em videos no. where he was singing. <laughs> like, that's not. not that doesn't no. count. Does not count. <laughs> All right. Next one, William Broad. William Broad. I'm going to say musician. I'm going to go musician, too. You are both correct. This is too easy, Connor. That is <laughs> Billy Idol. Oh, uh, okay. So I heard Rebel yell this morning. There you go. Yeah. Next one, Greg Shepard. I say I, NHLer. I'm going to go NHLer, too, because I feel like he played in the 80s. Played in, like, Sudbury. Maybe. <laughs> He also played for the Boston Bruins. There you go. Uh, hey. Same team as William Cashman. 657 hey. games, 205 goals, 293 assists for 498 points. Two away from 500 wow. in his career. Uh, had a career plus minus, again, of 129, which is insane. Playing uh, with Bobby Orr tends to do that. Yeah. And played Phil for <laughs> Boston and Pittsburgh. Uh, never won a Stanley Cup, though. Oh. And... Uh, I liked the name of where he was born. North Battleford, Saskatchewan. Oh, that's a good one. There's a couple of players that have come from North Battleford. It's a great name. Yes. Great name. Final one, Gordon Sumner. Oh, oh. that's Sting, isn't it? That's Sting. Yeah. That is Sting, yes. It was, I love how Connor's, yeah. like, his hard ones <laughs> that's going to trip us up are, like, I told you a it was guy gonna from be the easy. 80s. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, we're not boomers, but we're, like, our parents are boomers, and therefore their culture has been foisted upon us. Like, you could have went yeah. with, like, some, like, obscure band. I wanted You've gone to make with YouTube, Billy Idol, <laughs> and the police. Hey, you didn't know who U2 was. That's true. We didn't know Bono. I knew he wasn't a hockey player. There you go. Fair enough. Fair right, enough. Right. I shouldn't have told you how many games they played. That was so is that mistake. it for the rapid fire? That's it for rapid so fire. So both Ryan and I, five for five? Five for five. I feel like you have to do like five push-ups or something. There you go. Of that. No chance. We didn't put anything on it. It's like all-star game accuracy uh, shooting there. <laughs> there <laughs> just we killing go. it. Well, that yeah. was a fun episode. I like that one, Connor. you got to bring that one back. Good job. 
Listen, for Ryan Kennedy, I'm Michael Trakos. That's Connor Somerville behind the decks there. Um, this was the Hockey News pregame show. We're going to thank uh, NorthlandHockey.com and BetMGM. And we'll see you next time at the rink.